Well, this morning we're going to have a bonus song. Don't you like getting something extra for free or getting a bonus? I don't know if you, that's what we're doing this morning anyway, okay? There's going to be a, a, a song up here on the screen. You can remain seated. You can sing it with me. I'm going to lead it. It's a hymn, How Firm a Foundation, but there is together. So this is a bonus song today. <clears throat> so you can sing along with me. We see the words on the screen. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus has fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume. And the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never. It's a beautiful hymn that describes the Lord's care and protection for us. And it's a song also that is anonymously, that we don't know the author, because nowadays it seems like even if someone writes a two-verse chorus, they want the whole world to know that they wrote it so they can get the royalties from it. And so that no one else steals it from them. And so even when we showed the words to the contemporary songs we sing, each and every one of those authors, musicians, they get their two or three cents worth from us because we sang their song. So for a song not to even have the author listed wasn't so unusual when this hymn was written. When it was first published, it was attributed to K, the letter K, not the name K. So I don't know if that was like a spy, Agent K or something, but later, and again, it was not attributed to anyone. It was just in the hymnal, this song, tune and words, but we have no idea who it was that wrote them. So I sang this song with you because it's an anonymous one and because it speaks of God's protection. And that's what Psalm 91 is as well this morning that we're going to look at. It's a psalm about God's protection, and it also is a psalm whom we do not know who wrote it. Many of the psalms, of course, David wrote. In other psalms, we know the names of who wrote them as well, but Psalm 91, we have no idea. I want you to turn to that in your Bibles or follow the words on the screen. Preached on, has been read, 
many times, especially now in the midst of this pandemic. And so therefore, it's a very appropriate psalm to look at this morning. So Psalm 91, listen as I read. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protect by, by day. The plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you and all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he has set his heart on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, what a beautiful song about the protection of God. I wanted to give us comfort this morning, but I also want us to be aware. First of all, I would ask you the question, is this a promise to us? If you listen carefully, there was a promise that no harm would come to God's people. If you listen carefully, it said that God's people would live a long life. You all have lived long enough to know that there are righteous, godly people who die at a young age. You have lived long enough to experience yourself some of the things described here. Disease. You've been sick. You've suffered. What about this promise that no harm is going to come to you? I want to help you understand what we're reading so you can understand what it's saying. Don't forget that all of the psalms are songs. I do wish we, so that we could sing them because it would help us remember that they were songs. They are not Paul's letters. They're not God's giving us a doctrinal statement on his protection. They're songs. And because they're songs, they use language as all songs do. It's poetry. So there's poetic license. So when you hear a song today, and Vanessa Carlton sings, I'd walk a thousand miles if I could just see you tonight you understand that she is singing about her love for her boyfriend, but you wouldn't tell her you are a liar because you have never walked a thousand a night. She's a big fat liar. You know, there wouldn't be a, a, a message on her song 
from a fact checker that labeled it for Pinocchio as a big fat lie because she has never walked a thousand miles and cannot possibly walk a thousand miles in a night. You would say that's stupid. It's a song. We understand when we hear a song, we are going to hear poetry. And poetry takes license with language and uses hyperbole and exaggeration to tell a truth. She is singing a truth. She loves and loves deeply. She uses poetry to express that love. So Psalm 91 is a song that expresses the protection of God, but sings to describe how God protects. When we understand Psalm 91 that way, we understand they're not promises, and therefore we will not be, will not be disappointed when we do come to harm, or we won't be angry at God when a young Christian dies and declares that he has broken his promise, because we understand what's being said is said in poetry. It's true, as we will see, everything in that is true, but it's said in a way as you sing a song. Another thing to remember about this psalm, it's not to be used recklessly and to think we can do whatever we want and God is going to protect us. That's how Satan used this psalm. If you remember the story of how Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple. The verse is about the angels coming and protecting what Satan was saying to Jesus, Jesus, jump off the temple. If God is who he said he is, he said it right there in Psalm 91. He said, the angels will come and they'll protect you. You won't even stub your foot on a stone. And Jesus said to Satan, quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, do not test the Lord your God. So in other words, we don't live recklessly and just say, well... The angels are going to help me. God's going to protect me. I can jump off buildings. I can run into buses. I can do whatever I want. God's going to save me. That's what Satan would want you to do. And God has not promised that he's going to protect those who are foolish and wreck on for. Well, it certainly does speak of God's protection. That's what gives us comfort this morning. Look at all the ways that God protects us. He protects us from the traps of our enemy. I believe that's what's being referred to when it talks about the bird trap. It's a trap that your enemy has set to destroy you. God can protect you from that, from plague, from pestilence, from terrors at night, arrows that are flying by to kill you during the day. As Satan misquoted, misused, the, promise, the, 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 the psalm says that the angels will come Protect you from even stumping your toe. That in fact, if you accidentally hit your toe against a cobra, you would trample the cobra rather than the cobra biting you. This is speaking of God's protection of us. What it tells us is that there's nothing in this universe out of God's control. And so, or could happen to us. And it's true that angels do come. And do help. I've heard some of you tell me your stories in your life where you are certain either yourself or someone you knew would be dead or harmed if it wasn't for obviously an act of God, even an angel of God, 
coming to protect. It's amazing. It's comforting. It's wonderful to know that God's protection is real. And he's watching us. He's looking out for us. And in his will, when he wants to, he can bring even his angels to protect us from anything that would harm us. We also learn that God is always with us. Look at verse 15. When he calls out to me, this is God speaking here. So God is saying, when he, that's me, that's you. When we call out to God, I will answer him. I will be and protect us from anything. And because he's with us in our trouble, we don't have to worry or fear anything in life. During this pandemic, there are some who have panicked and have worried and are in great fear. I would think a lot of them probably aren't Christians because they do fear for their life. Medicine cannot protect them. The politicians can't protect them. Right now, there's no vaccine to protect them. There's no protection. And they're afraid and they're worried. But we as Christians can know this, that we do have a protector. It's God. Again, we're not reckless trying to prove that God, that he can. And he's with us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. We can live our life with confidence in our God and trust in Him. That's a much better way to live life than to be worried and have a fear that something's going to happen in your life that's going to take something from you or is going to hurt you or take your life. This psalm is a remedy for worry and fear. God can protect us and God is with us. We learn a lot about God in this psalm too. The very first verse tells us that God is the most high, that God is the almighty. That means that he's in control of everything. First John tells us specifically God is love. Here in this psalm, we have a picture an illustration of God's love. We have a mother bird with her wings covering her little bird to protect it. Here we have an illustration of the God who loves us. And isn't it true in the animal kingdom, it's not just mother birds that protect their young, but mothers of all kinds of animals will protect their young by covering them laying on top of them. When danger comes, the mother will sacrifice her life to protect her child. That's the way that God loves us. God loves us sacrificially, unconditionally. And when you put these three together, God is all-powerful, God is in control of everything, and God is loving, we don't have to worry or fear anything happen to you that God couldn't prevent. That would be scary because we might face something one day and God can't help us. You say, well, you're on your own. But that's not true. He's in control of everything. If, if God were all powerful but he wasn't loving, that could be scary because he could be an evil God. He could be a God who 
didn't care. And so he might be in control and he might show his power, but that might, power might be to bring disaster to us, to choke our life out. But when we put the third one, God is love, we realize then that because he's in control and all-powerful and all-loving, everything, God has the power to change it or see it through it, and he's allowing it or seeing us through it or changing it because he wants something better for us because he loves us. And it's all for a purpose and a plan. Knowing that gives us great confidence to go through our lives. Maybe the most important thing we learn here, though, also is that this comfort of protection comes when we have a relationship with God. Look at the words that are used to describe God's protection. If you're in the shadow of God, you have to be close to Him. If you have a large tree in your backyard that gives great shade, but you're in the front yard, you're not going to be under its shadow. You're not going to get the benefit of that shade. It says refs or uh, structures that you go into so that you are protected. Well, you have to be in them to be protected. The fortress can be big and it can be impenetrable and it can be strong, but if you're 10 miles away from it, it's not going to do anything for you. The same with the wings. If the little bird is a mile away from his mother, her wings, no matter how comforting and how strong and how protective, aren't going to do that little guy any good. A shield has to be in front of you, right in front of you, not hundreds of yards in front of you for it to be effective. Again, a dwelling place. If God is your dwelling place, you're in a place. The is for God to protect you, you have to be close to him. That's logical, doesn't it? It makes sense. If you had a bodyguard that was to protect you, but the bodyguard was 50 miles away, what good is that bodyguard to you? So it's important to know that if we want the comfort and the confidence of God protecting us and using what happens in our life for our own good, then we have to have a relationship with God. Look at Psalm 91, verse 14, says this too. Because he, again, this is us, God is speaking. Because God has, excuse me, because he has his heart, knows my name. It describes a relationship. We know God's name. We have come to God and set our hearts on God. We're seeking after God. That's the person who gets God's protection. Romans 8, 28, you know this verse so well, says, We know that all things work together. For the good. But notice it continues of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Psalm 91, Romans 8, give us a promise, really, that God is going to protect us, that God is with us, that God is using everything that happens in our life, the good and the bad. But you have to be close to him and have a relationship with him for those promises to be true for you. So I want you to think about this first. The first step of having a relationship with God is believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We've sung about it this morning, especially about his forgiveness of our sin. So... It, it, it's true that God loves everyone, and it's true that God wants every single person 
has ever been born to believe in him and have a relationship with him and spend eternity with him. It's also true that they don't have the protection of God. Many of them are running from God, despise God. They're under his wrath. There's not protection there. That's a dangerous place to be. The first step is to have a relationship with the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you're a child of God and under his protection because Christ is taking the wrath of God and forgiving your sins. But even we who are Christians with the Lord, that's all certain and true. If we live our lives running from God because we can, we can say no to God and run away from him. We can have sin in our life that we don't confess and that we embrace. We can live a lifestyle that's the the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. When we do those things, we're not close to God. We shouldn't expect God's protection. In fact, he says what we should expect is his discipline. His discipline may be harsh. It may be hard. It may be hurtful. Just like any discipline you've received any time in your life. And God does that because he wants to bring us back to him. Paul says in Corinthians that some people were disciplined, wouldn't come back to God. God took their life. So do we have for good for you? You have to be close to God. To have to have a relationship with him. So Christian... If you are running from God or not repenting of your sin, don't want God in your life, don't expect him to work things out for your good and don't expect God to protect you. As I said, what you really should expect is discipline, which is to be harmful and hurtful. But when you hit, you get a good swat, when you get hit, wake up and go back to God and repent and he will forgive. And then you'll be there under the shelter of his wings And that refuge and that fortress will be under the protection of the Lord again. And one last thing to help us understand this chapter 12 and two apostles that are there. Pastor Brady a few weeks ago shared the story of Peter and his miraculous release from prison. Peter was in prison because Herod wanted to execute him. In fact, Peter had Four groups of four guards. He had 16 soldiers guarding him. The night in question, he had chains to two soldiers directly in a cell. So he went and escaped. The Christians were praying for him. I'm certain Peter was praying. And just like Psalm 91 says, God sent an angel, took the chains off Peter, told Peter to go with him. The, the angel escorted Peter out of the prison into the streets, to safety, and then disappeared. Exactly what Psalm 91 talks about. Peter was in danger. The enemy had set a snare. His life was about to end in execution, and God protected him. God brought an angel, delivered him. When he went to the Christians who were praying for him, a little girl heard his voice, Rhoda, and she ran and said, Peter's here. I always love this part of the story. Because they said, you're crazy. He's not there. 
Now think about it. They were just praying for him to be released. And now he's released and they said, no, he's not. So I don't think they were praying very hard if they didn't believe it when it actually happened. And he's reunited with them. They praise the Lord because of God's deliverance. Sometimes we don't tell the first part of that chapter. There was another apostle. James saw as much as Peter did. I'm certain James was as close to Jesus as Peter had been. I'm certain people prayed for James when he was in prison. I'm sure that James prayed for his deliverance. Yet we're told very quickly, very bluntly, that James was executed. And so you would ask, why was Peter miraculously delivered by an angel and James was allowed to be executed? I wouldn't say it's because one loved Jesus more than the other. I wouldn't say it's because one was closer to God than the other. No, it was because that was what God decided. That's a hard truth to understand. But it isn't so hard when we see and that life continues on for the Christian beyond death and the grave. I would say that James and Peter both were delivered. James was delivered into heaven. In some sense, you could say he had a better deliverance. He didn't have to bother with this world anymore. He didn't have to bother with the sin and the persecution, everything else that Peter had to go through because he was delivered and had to face other things. God was with both of them. God could have rescued both of them. But God chose to deliver James by taking him to heaven and deliver Peter by sending an angel to take him out of prison. So when we know that God can protect and that God is loving and that he's powerful, yet he chooses to deliver in a different way. We shouldn't be angry with God, upset with God, leave God, leave our faith to deliver. He's not obligated to give us long life. He can and he often does. But just as Pastor Brady shared in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even they realize with confidence and faith that God could deliver them from that fiery furnace. But if he didn't, they still were going to trust him. And they knew if they went in the fire, they were burned alive, they would be with the Lord that they worshipped. And they wanted to worship him and be with him at all costs rather than bending and bowing. To an idol. They understood. And I want you to understand as well. God's with you. We don't have to be afraid or worried. Also I want you to hear. Be close to him. Either in salvation this morning. Or in right relationship with the Lord. As a Christian. Because your sin has been confessed. And your life is right with him. And then trust him completely. And whatever he brings into your life, whatever he allows to happen to you or to others, don't grumble at him, don't complain, don't be angry with a God who loves you and protects you, yet he may decide to do something that you don't understand. The ultimate deliverance is going to come one day when we're with the Lord and heaven is our home. You know what's so great about that day? There is no more enemy traps, no more pestilence, no more plague. There's no more sin. There's no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. There's nothing to protect us from. 
Because all the things most rejoice about today. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and rejoice. Father, we are thankful this morning for your protection, for how you are in control and how you love and how you are working out everything for our good, for those who love you and are close to you. My prayer this morning is I have challenged my brothers and sisters is for them to come to saving faith in you right now, Jesus, if they do not know you as Savior. For those of us who are believers, I pray that we would examine our lives and confess our sins so that our relationship with you is right. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith so that we have no worry or fear for faith that when you do things we don't understand, it doesn't turn into bitterness and anger, but our faith is deepened in you that you know what you're doing. Lord, that's a lot, but I pray for a lot this morning, for you, Holy Spirit, to speak and to move and for your people to say yes. And I pray that we would do so now as we sing, and I pray, Jesus, in your name, amen. Stand with me, please, as we sing and respond. This time is a time to say yes to God, whatever he's spoken to your heart. I'll be at the doors to talk to you, even right now or as you leave. Please leave here today knowing this, 100% sure that you are saved and 100% close to God and leave here today without any worry 